Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, I'm speaking with Charlie Devaney. Charlie has been a CPA since 1990 and received his MBA from the University of Maryland and his undergrad from the University of Texas. He began his career in big six auditing with KPMG Pete Marwick, then segued into industry as a financial leader for public and privately held companies. He's been working the past 15 years as a virtual CFO. His current CFO clients are Service Dogs, Inc., The Daily Dot, Culture, and Austin Living Landscape. He also has a tax consulting CPA practice in Austin, blogs daily on citywide neighborhoods, and has self-published a graphic memoir. He is a 500-hour certified yoga instructor and holds an active Screen Actors Guild card as well. Charlie, thank you so much for joining me today. Megan, thank you. This is a great pleasure. I'm really excited to be talking about this topic. It's really important to me. Yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to this discussion, which is focused on the role of fractional CFO. And as I said, this is a role uh, I hadn't heard of until just a few years ago. So I'm looking forward to finding out more myself. So let's get started. Great. First, tell me about your career progression. How did you come to be a fractional CFO? Great question. It's not something I woke up one day and said, I want to do this, or I was planning on doing it while I was getting my MBA. It evolved. Uh-huh. I started in traditional route, has a big six at the time, auditor of KPMG, Pete Mark. Then I hung up my shingle as a sole practitioner, CPA for a couple of years. Then I moved into accounting management roles until I was a controller and VP as part of a billion dollar operating company. You know, pretty straightforward stuff. And everything changed, but I didn't know it at the time when I was working for somebody who was acting very unethically, to say the least. It was a challenging time for me because my wife was a stay-at-home mom and with two children. I was a sole breadwinner. And when I was interviewing, you know, you had that awkward moment of, why are you leaving? And describing a difference in ethics can sound like sour grapes to some. You know, it's that negative thing you don't want to have in an interview. Yeah. And so I realized a few few years later is that having one job, especially as a sole breadwinner, puts a lot of pressure to conform, to do things you're not comfortable with. And maybe you're just let go because the company's having a hard time and you have to start from scratch. You know, it's kind of like you've been married for 20 years and all of a sudden you're dating again. (laughs) The fractional CFO is always dating. Anyhow, so what happened is I just kind of got from, you know, smaller engagements and I liked that kind of work. And then it was like the more, the longer I did in the engagement type of work and in New Jersey where I was at the time, it was more like I do a nine to 12 month project and then I go on to the next. And it was really old school the way I was marketing because in New Jersey, there actually was 60 mid cap 600 public companies. Mm-hmm. And I actually would send an, a letter in the mail to the CFO, not HR, the CFO and say, Hey, do you need some help? You know, I'm doing this independently. And, you know, 48 out of 50 people would throw it out. And then someone else would say, Oh God, I was about to, you know, call up Pete Mark or BDO or whatever. And I'm going to get this guy for half the price. He's seen, you know, let me bring him in. 
and it worked pretty well. And then when I got the, back to Austin, I just found I was able to get more of those actually fractional jobs because you didn't have as many public companies as in New Jersey. So it wasn't a matter of finding a nine month, 12 month engagement. It was a fractional job. And then I, then I was able to get work for a while. I worked for both VCFO and Bridgepoint. So that was real valuable to see their model and yeah. how they did. And it was just, it became acceptable. You know, those are not 20 year companies, you know, like 15 or maybe it is 20, but when they first got started, people didn't know what they were anyway. Yeah, that's very interesting. And, and I myself, I like the project-based kind of work model. So, uh, Yeah, it's fun. You, you know, you meet different people in different industries. Yeah, you get um, to yeah. do a lot of different things. Yes, you need to be on your toes. Yeah. You're always learning, which I love. Yeah, me too. So tell me about what roles do the fractional virtual CFOs perform? In theory, all the same as a full-time CFO, strategy, overseeing procedures and policies, financing, interacting with, C with the CEO, bankers, investors, budgeting, staffing, training, cash flow management, being part of the senior management team. So in theory, everything, but you're not there all the time, you're charging an hourly rate. Yeah, so that, pre that seems pretty extensive. So Alternatively, tell me about some of the functions the virtual CFO might not perform. Yeah, because you're not there every day, and now none of us are there every day. <laughs> yep. You're, uh, you know, you're probably not going to be involved in marketing, product development, every management decision. That is the one disadvantage. You're not part of the integral team. You also might not be hiring and firing and training accounting staff. What you do is predicated on budget and availability to a certain degree. And so you just need to have an open conversation and relationship with the client. You know, they might say, hey, we're going to have an eight-hour off-site management retreat. And that sounds great. And I would add value and learn about the company. But you need to say, hey, you're going to have to pay me eight hours at my rate, as an example. Yeah. So it just becomes a, a kind of a cost thing. And also how complicated the company is, you know, the more activity and the more the CFO is needed, eventually they, they will segue into a full-time CFO, or maybe they hire a really good controller and you kind of train that person up or maybe compliment what they're doing for a few hours a month. So now that everybody is working at home, have you yes. seen an increase in business? Has this become something that's more acceptable? Yeah, I definitely people are much more acceptable to it, you know, since we're all virtual. Another real advantage of the virtual CFO is you don't have to hire somebody. So you might need a full-time CFO, but that's a, that's a hard process to go through virtually. You know, you don't get to meet them in person. Yeah. You need somebody who's really good at this space and managing people from afar. And so you, you don't go for this regular channels and therefore it's really nice to just say, okay, I can... I can give Charlie Devaney a shot because if it doesn't work out, I can get rid of him. You know, I'm not going for that long process and spending a lot of money and having a severance and all that and bringing him on for benefits. So yeah, people are definitely more receptive, I think, right now. So when does a company need a fractional or virtual CFO? Yeah, the largest drive is probably what stage of the company, you know, the timing. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of early stage companies you know, you have entrepreneurs who are great at marketing or engineering, but they don't have finance. 
And then they might have even received some funds from VCs, angels, banks, and they need a senior person in the room to communicate to those people and make them comfortable. But they don't need a full-time person. So that's that's the kind of a classic model. And then hopefully that company is going to grow and they're eventually going to have a full-time CFO or controller. And then sometimes you have businesses that just aren't hyper growth. They're comfortable with where they are and they don't need a full-time CFO. And that's more like you know, that, that virtual CFO, fractional CFO, where you work with them for years and, and build a really good relationship and, and understand the company because it's been a long time, even though you're not there 40 hours a week. Yep. Yeah. So what is the value proposition for companies to use a fractional CFO? Yeah, there's obviously a financial value proposition I'll mention, but also you're bringing somebody who has experience in a lot of different industries, mm -hmm. who's done ERP implementations, who's done M&A work. So that's really nice as opposed to there tends to be, oh, I'm in the pharmaceutical business. I need to hire a pharmaceutical CFO. Well, maybe it's somebody who's had some pharmaceutical, but also some other businesses. So that's something to think about. That diverse background can be yeah. helpful. Then on uh, the financial thing, it's you know relatively obvious, but you know, let's say a full-time CFO is – one hundred twenty-five to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know, we're not talking about Intel. You know, these are, <laughs> but anyway, and uh, that's that's a lot of money, and you got to hire them, and there's benefits and the whole nine yards. Well, if you don't need a full-time person, you might be paying a hundred dollars an hour for an individual, or two hundred, you know, through a you know Bridgepoint VCFO, whoever, and then so that's the range you're probably paying, and then how often do you need them? Is it five hours a month? Is it 50 hours a month? So taking the bottom end of that, you could do 50 hours a month at $100, hours, $100 an hour. That's 6000 a year. And yeah. that could provide a ton of value. Because they don't need, you know, you need somebody to basically, you know, close the books, talk to the board, work with the bankers, occasionally come in on some, some questions about strategy. Yeah. And so I actually have a couple of clients just like that. I've had for a long time. Yeah, that makes good sense. Yeah. And then on the other side, I kind of, it's interesting. I gave you a number where if it were 50 hours a month and you're using a firm and had their upcharge at 200, that's $120,000. And that's, I've had people say, if it starts creeping up to 100,000, that's when they're going to say, oh, this is crazy. I might as well hire a full time person. Yeah. You know, so, you know, essentially when you're hiring somebody on the outside, they're kind of, you're paying double or triple what you would on an hourly basis as opposed to a full time. But, you know, you do the math. If it's under 20 hours, or, you know, under 10 hours a week, it's still a really good value proposition. And you have that flexibility. Maybe it's complicated today because you're doing some due diligence. And that's another thing I do is project work. I'm not the CFO, but I'm going to come in during the ERP, during the due diligence, maybe help them with the audit of financial reporting. So that's pretty nice too. Yeah, so that's a good segue to my next question. Yeah. Uh, hiring a virtual CFO. Talk to me about directly hiring as opposed to hiring through a larger talent sourcing firm. Yeah, I mean, the difference is obviously the pricing. You know, they're basically gonna double what I'm gonna get paid, if not more. Yeah, gotta get so, their margin. Yeah, yeah, so basically, 
Yeah, I mean, last time I was doing that kind of work, I was getting paid 75 and billing out at 180. Wow. So I can make more money if I can find the work at 100 an hour. Yeah, it's kind of interesting too, because then, then you have that perception. You, you can't, you know, some would argue you need to charge even more money because it's that perception of, oh, that seems cheap. So that's, that's, some of the, that's one of the challenges you have to get around. It also, what are you trying to do? If you're trying to get perpetual work, you probably need to, you know, where they're going to work with the people for years at six to 12 hours a month, they need to have a pretty decent rate. I think if you're going in on a project, then it probably should be, you know, 125, 150. But yeah, it's, it's mainly going to be price. The disadvantage of working with somebody with me would be if, you know, if I get hit by a truck, they're going to have to start from scratch to replace me. Whereas, you know, higher, better, pink advisors, some of the other firms in town, they have enough people where if Charlie Devaney, or they're just not happy with them, they'll put somebody else in. That's an advantage. They also have a team where they could have complement the CFO, this is the big firms, with a controller at a cheaper rate or maybe even a bookkeeper. And they might have HR services. So that's the main thing. It's, it's going to be the dollar proposition versus the depth of the other organization. And they probably have, you know, let's be honest, you know, some IT and some NetSuite people that are very helpful too that I, I would not have. Yeah. Yeah. So finding your own work, that's got to be probably one of the hardest parts of the job, I would imagine. So how does one, how do you do that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and uh, it's definitely a challenge. And, and I think you need to have the right personality too. And I mean, luckily, you know, I was, <laughs> I was radio TV undergrad and I have other interests, of course. And, you know, I like talking to people and I like learning what they're doing. You know, one, it's also, you, you can't get out of school and start doing this. Uh-huh. You know, you need to work through, you know, ma- you know, big four or some of the other large top 40 firms is a great place to start, especially in auditing like I did. And then hopefully being a, a senior controller or VP finance or accounting manager at a big firm is going to put you in a position where you kind of understand. So you need to have a little bit of experience and skill base. And then the next is, is the marketing. And so, like I said, I worked for two of the large firms a while back and that's one of my biggest referrals is, you know, people I used to work with now they're in industry and like, Hey, I need you on a project or I heard about this. So a lot of it was, uh, you know, is word of mouth and referrals. I go to some networking events, just contact people all the time. I post a lot on LinkedIn. It's actually not that difficult. It's just time consuming. Yeah. And then what happens if I do get a big project, that's great. I make a ton of money and I'm working 50 hours billable a week because I still have my perpetual guys. But you know, I'm not marketing during that period. So you go from 50 to 10, you know, really low hours all of a sudden. So you have the time. So it really is good, even if you're super busy, to continue to be regimented and spend a little time just, you know, reaching out to people. So I'm not sure if we just answered this question or not. But... Oh, the challenges? <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, except, um, yeah, obviously a challenge. I'll let you ask the question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, challenges. So are there other challenges other than you know, just having to find the work yourself. Yes. Um, I would say there's more bookkeeping. 
you know, um, you really need to keep track of your hours, you know, including I keep track of time, you know, I, I have spreadsheets for everything. And, you know, you want to make sure it doesn't, is it working for me? Charlie Devaney CPA has a business. So you have that, you know, I guess it could get lonely, you know, uh, sometimes, if you, especially now I'm working at home, yeah. but I'm contacting a lot of people. So that, that's what's interesting. And then there's going to be fluctuations in, our, in earnings, in hours. You know, literally, be, I can have 50 billable. I still have to market. I still have to do admin and invoices and all that. And then it'll be a lull and not just also financial lull. So that, that, that's, that again, it, it helps if you're mature and you have a little bit of capital and that kind of thing. Um, you know, when you're working a ton of money, don't spend it all. It's <laughs> <laughs> very good advice. Yeah. Uh, not, not, it's not advice too many people listen to, but uh, yeah, it's important to, to have a savings. Yep. Oh, so, oh, I'm sorry. And then, uh, you know, you, you have to do your own health insurance. Oh, yeah. Uh, 401k. Well, you don't even, you know, a SEP IRA. So you have to put a little more money because there isn't a company sponsoring your 401k. Yeah. Pay and your own luckily, taxes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh just, uh, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. The double social security. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now everybody's so, like, it sounded good for a while. <laughs> <laughs> So now that we've touched on the challenges, what are yeah. the benefits of choosing this career path? I love the freedom. I love learning new businesses. You know, I see an opportunity pop up and I have to do some research on it and that's fun and seeing what the people are up to. And, you know, it's really fun actually to segue off a client, to see them in the startup role. And then they don't need me anymore because they had a beautiful big business and they've hired a big time CFO full time. I'm happy for them. You know, yeah. that's great. I was, I was part of that success. And like I said, in that first question, I, I like, I like having a several clients. It just gives me the, it gives me freedom in my mind as well. That I, if I have that really, the client that's not a good fit, we can agree to, you know, discontinue the, pretty easily. You know, that's a little less pressure. And then you actually have a better chance of, of working things out with that client because you don't have like, oh man, this has to work. You know, yeah. you're less desperate. Yeah. It's got to be nice to not, like, as you said, be relying on just one company, your client to yeah. make your living. Yeah. And the time flexibility, I'm able to do, do other things, do my yoga, do my writing. When the kids were growing up, I didn't miss any of their plays in the middle of the day. And then, and then sometimes you got to work at night and weekends, but it's all up to you. Yeah. So Charlie, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you. That was great. Yeah. I've really appreciated learning about the role of a fractional CFO and the value they add to all of our listeners. I hope you have enjoyed today's topic as much as I did. And I hope you'll tune in next week until then take care of yourselves and have a great week. Thank you, Megan. Thanks, Charlie. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.